Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 27th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I just paid $1.88 a gallon for gas today. See, I'm old enough to remember when my parents uh, were filling up for less than a dollar per gallon, but I also know what it's like to own a gas-guzzling sports car in California where premiums spiked above $4 a gallon. So, I don't really have anything interesting that happened to me this week to talk about, but I thought it was important to bring up how crazy cheap gas is right now, um, because I talk a lot about uh, electric cars in the podcast this week, and... I, I don't point this out due to irony and some sort of sadistic look at these idiots with their stupid electric cars when I can drive to Canada for $20 uh, sort of sentiment, but more because I think that we could be coming upon a point where we don't see gas prices rising that high anymore. Uh, as EVs become more mainstream and demand for gas drops, we won't be seeing the same sort of shortages that caused us to tap into our reserves and jack up the prices to an obnoxious level. And granted, we don't see the same prices that they see in Europe or Asia. But I, I talk fondly of EVs in the podcast this week. Uh, but remember that I also include the moment of zen at the end of every episode because I am absolutely addicted to the intoxicating sound of burning gasoline and the roar of V8s. So the end is not nigh for internal combustion, friends. Just keep that in mind in this week's episode. Here are your top stories. First up this week, the Tesla Model 3 will be covered later on in the episode. So second up this week, we have the potential scandal to eclipse most others, according to the Automotive News. Apparently last week, a federal indictment accused Fiat Chrysler executives of working with the United Auto Workers leaders to divert funds reserved for employee training into their own pockets. Right now, two Fiat Chrysler executives have been charged, but a further eight and some union leaders have been named, which could ultimately lead to corruption charges. Uh, this is not some minor sort of skimming scheme either. Like, they, they stole millions of dollars meant for union employees to receive training and bought themselves first-class trips in, in planes, pools, outdoor kitchens, $37,500 solid gold pens, which... Why the hell do you need a pen like that? And also a uh, $350,000 Ferrari 458 Spider. Uh, you'd think with uh, Fiat owning Ferrari, they could have at least given themselves a discount, but I guess that's beside the point. Uh, this went on from 2009 until 2014 when I guess someone either got wind of the scheme and they had to shut it down or everyone ran out of things to buy with all the money they had, so they ended up getting ridiculous pens and calling it a day what do you get the automotive executive who literally has everything already mont blanc but this has consequences ranging far beyond just the money siphoning uh, we don't know what these lavish gifts meant uh, or how they influenced labor relations decisions and if the union leaders were as they 
are supposed to be working in the best interest of the union members that they represent who pay them dues so that they will do exactly that. Uh, or if they were just working to prop themselves up at the expense of the union members. Uh, given that the indictment literally says that UAW leaders were given credit cards with huge spending limits for the explicit purpose of keeping them, quote, fat, dumb, and happy, end quote, I'm inclined to believe that some hardworking assembly line folks suffered because of these asshole fat cats. Uh, this is bad for Fiat Chrysler, who are also under investigation for diesel cheating, and bad for UAW, who have a big vote coming up this week at their Nissan plant, which is an entire other story in itself. Uh, unions are a great idea. Providing collective bargaining for the benefit of many people working in a common industry, but that only works when the leadership can be trusted to actually do what they say that they're going to do. UAW has some serious explaining to do here, and no statement that neither they nor FCA knew that this was going on is going to make everything magically okay again. Um, now, since the Tesla Model 3 came out this week, and we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll cover that in a bit, um, mass deliveries of the Model 3 won't start until next year. Uh, but meanwhile, Tesla's competitors have wasted no time this week uh, throwing their own hats into the electric vehicle ring. Uh, first on the bandwagon was BMW, who chose to roll out uh, photos of their IM2 concept. Um, supposedly, the name was chosen because of BMW's existing i3 and i8 cars being electric, and because this will be an electric version of the M2, so i, M2 makes sense. On the other hand, if manufacturers were kids and Tesla stood up in class and said, I'm going to make a cool electric car, you can bet BMW would stand up and say something like, I am too. Bad joke. Anyway, in any case, their timing and name choice was unfortunate, as is the styling of the car, which is pretty hideous to my eyes. Uh, they tried to keep the, the two kidney grill things in front, which is sort of a stylistic staple of BMWs, but since electric cars don't actually need grills, it just ends up looking like some sort of strange bionic pig snout uh, in any case, they're they're hoping it'll be an affordable performance electric vehicle, but we have very few details on what that actually means. And from BMW, obviously, it's still going to be very expensive. Um, Honda, meanwhile, is a step ahead of, of BMW, landing its uh, Clarity electric vehicle in dealerships already in California and Oregon this month. Uh, but release date is literally about the only way in which Honda is ahead. Um, this EV, the Clarity EV, shares the chassis with the Air, the Clarity fuel cell vehicle. Um, the Clarity EV, it is not a tempting car at all. It's big, it's ugly, it has an underwhelming 161 horsepower electric motor, and it has a battery that will take it approximately 89 miles on a single charge, which is barely better than a Nissan Leaf. Uh, the good news is that it will charge its tiny little batteries quickly, uh, having full range within three hours, but when you consider that the Model 3 recharges at the rate of 37 miles per hour, which is a really different way of thinking about miles per hour, um, it would have charged an extra 22 miles by the time the Clarity is done, uh, filling up on a 240-volt fast charger, which most people, by the way, still don't have in their homes. Um, it's being offered on a lease for $269 a month uh, after a $1,700 initial fee or something, 
and uh, that provides a generous uh, 20,000 mile per year allowance. But uh, I have uh, broken out the calculator and done the math here. In order to drive 20,000 miles per year in your Clarity EV at 89 miles per battery charge, and that's assuming perfect conditions, which obviously nobody has all the time, uh, you'd need to charge the battery 228 times. And with each full charge taking three hours, that's 28 entire days of your year just spent charging the damn car. Um, like I said, this is pretty much a Nissan Leaf, but it has a nicer interior, which means Honda has a lot of catching up to do if they want to catch the likes of Tesla or even Chevy, whose Bolt is much more impressive. Meanwhile, Maserati is taking the Volvo approach and uh, claiming that all models after 2019 will be electrified in some way or another, uh, be it hybrid or EV. Since the last new Maserati we got was the Ghibli, which de debuted more than four years ago already, uh, you'd think the company would have had plenty of time to develop something, but they are owned by Fiat Chrysler, so it'll, it'll probably be total shit. Um, then again, they take a lot of their tech straight from Ferrari, so it could be great. Um, so be on the lookout for the next generation of Maseratis, which could be terrible or amazing or amazingly terrible. Um, but not everybody has been hopping on the electric vehicle bandwagon just yet. Um, hot on the heels of their fifth from last place finish in J.D. Power's appeal survey, Mazda is taking its head, uh, which it had buried in the sand, and firmly surrounding that head with uh, concrete, thereby keeping its head there until the tide comes in and drowns it. Um, that's a really long metaphor. Uh, senior Vice President in Charge of Special Assignments for North America, a really long title, Robert Davis argued that the government should take away the $7,500 tax credit and take away the EV mandate and let the industry find the best way to meet the clean air standard. And he seems to be forgetting that the last time we tried that, the Germans found a way to cheat the system in such a way that resulted in significantly greater emissions in order to keep a profit. Businesses exist for a single purpose, and that is to make money. Not to make the world a better place, Bob. He argued legitimately, though, that we don't know what to do with lithium-ion batteries after they're used up, which is a prospect that the EV industry will have to face sooner than later. But Mazda's focus on their efficient and honestly underwhelming, through my extensive experience, Skyactiv engines and their forthcoming and very poorly timed diesel offerings uh, really belie the authenticity of his concern for the environment. Uh, which is posed by this used battery technology. Uh, but good old Bob Davis isn't alone, and at the car management briefing seminars in uh, luxurious Traverse City, Michigan this week, I say that sort of ironically, but it is kind of a nice place, uh, several industry folks talked um, up internal combustion, including Eric Fedwa, uh, a senior manager of global market intelligence for Eaton Vehicle Group, um, who is anticipating new advances in internal combustion that will make engines cleaner, safer, more powerful, and more desirable to buyers than EVs. Um, and certainly $1.88 gas helps. Uh, while he's correct that uh, range anxiety and charging time will always be issues for EVs, and that uh, existing infrastructure and incremental costs to advance internal combustions make them favorable options, he went and lost me a bit when he said, 
Uh, quote, there's a reason we have had we have a billion of these vehicles on the road. They're durable, the infrastructure is in place, and the service to support them and consumers know how to use them, end quote. Uh, what he didn't mention was that buyers haven't had a valid alternative to internal combustion engines during the same time period when they've put a billion of them on the road. Uh, the thing is, Bob's not wrong. Eric's not wrong. Internal combustion cars, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, they will still have a prominent place in the automotive landscape for a long time yet. And it'll be a while before EVs are even capable of filling the roles that conventional motors fill in our lives. But to deny that the future is electric or hydrogen-powered requires some serious delusion. Um, but production cars, uh, in, in another story, production cars aren't the only area where electric vehicles are taking off. Uh, Formula E, which is an open-wheel racing series similar in format to Formula One, but using, uh, you guessed it, e-electric uh, race cars, uh, wrapped up its season this past weekend with uh, Lucas Degrassi, who f had formerly raced in F1, uh, leapfrogging Sebastian Buemi to win the series in its final race. Um, Formula E has gained a lot of traction recently. I mean, it still has a long way to go, um, but it's gained a lot recently, not just because of the compelling racing, which saw a close season this year decided in its last race, um, but because each race car provides a great development platform for electric vehicle technology, just as Formula One has for internal combustion engines in the past. Um, this hasn't escaped the notice of manufacturers either. Um, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but Porsche this week confirmed that, that it is leaving the FIA World Endurance Championships LMP1 class next year and will instead focus on its fledgling Formula E team. Uh, this leaves Toyota as the only competitor in the LMP1 class for next series uh, and uh, also leaves serious questions for the FIA uh, WEC series, which has been slowly pricing its competitors out due to the sheer cost of development to comply with its rules for each class and especially the top class. Um, sure, it's it's great to have a racing series that demands absolutely the most cutting-edge technology to compete, but it seems that the endurance racing series has just surpassed the point where it provides values to companies for participating in the highest class uh, in terms of the value it provides for development of its road cars, which it sells to actually make money. Um, for comparison's sake, it's estimated that Porsche's LMP1 costs the company about $200 million per year, whereas uh, last year, in 2016, Formula E teams had a spending cap of just $3.5 million, or just about 1.75% of the cost of the World Endurance Championship. Uh, they'll have to reevaluate their rules in the WEC to determine how to get cars back on the grid, because... Watching three versions of the same Toyota car from one team compete with itself does not at all sound interesting to me and probably won't to most other people. Uh, also this week, Mercedes, which has participated in the Deutsche Tourenwagen Meisterschaft since uh, 1987, um, everyone else uh, in America knows it as DTM, uh, announced it is pulling out of the German Touring Car Series also to focus on its Formula E team. Uh, and this leaves BMW and Audi as the sole competitors in DTM. 
those companies have said they will have to reconsider their future in the series now, which could be the writing on the wall that DTM needs to make some changes that it will make it a compelling test bed for electrified vehicles, uh, as Formula E will be for Porsche and Mercedes now. Um, while Formula E is currently the only real large-scale electric vehicle-only racing series, that may not be the case for long, as it's been reported this week that an electric rallycross series uh, to run concurrently with Formula E is being evaluated. Uh, rallycross, which involves uh, usually a tight city course combined with uh, some shorter off-road sections with big jumps, makes sense to pair with the city-based Formula E, in addition to the fact that more electric vehicles are purchased by city dwellers. A rally E-cross, if you will, um, also makes sense because rally cars share more traditional car shapes than do the open-wheel formula racers, meaning that the development of uh, cars for the rallycross series could be more relevant to future road-going vehicles. And I, th I really think there's incredible potential here, and I'm, I'm hoping that this race series pans out. Uh, that's it for your top stories. Here are some quick hits. Speaking to Motor Authority this week, Mercedes head of research Ola Kalenaus uh, described the brand's autonomous vehicle strategy. He said that they are focusing on getting level 2 and level 3 autonomy into their consumer cars, but are reserving level 5 autonomy, which is fully driverless systems, for the taxi market, where the cost savings from not hiring a human person taxi driver would be able to offset the development cost. Thing is, he stated that the cost of developing a true level 5 system is in the, quote, many tens of thousands of dollars, end quote, which, if you ask me, seems kind of low. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go buy an E300 for 60 grand and have the salesperson say, oh, excellent, now we can fully fund our completely autonomous cars. July sales uh, continued the downward trend with a couple of notable points, including that every Fiat sold worse this July than it did last year. People who don't listen to this podcast bought enough Chryslers for the brand to actually see a sales rise, while someone who probably also does not listen to this podcast bought a brand new Lexus LFA, which stopped production back in 2012. There are apparently still 11 new LFAs for sale across the nation, so if you happen to have a trust fund coming due, you know how to spend it. For Honda and Volkswagen, hell froze over and they sold more cars than crossovers and SUVs, even though Honda's Ridgeline is flying out of dealership doors. Finally, Buick sales were down a whopping 30% over last year, which means in the unlikely event that you hear someone say, wow, that's a Buick, like they do in the company's shitty commercials, no, it probably isn't. In news that probably in no way indicates the growing disparity between rich and poor, Ferrari's revenue is projected to soar to more than a billion dollars this year. Sales are up across the board for the prancing horse, while manufacturers of cars like most of us norms buy uh, continue to see heavy losses. Like Dr. Evil, Ferrari isn't merely satisfied with a billion dollars. It wants more. They're hoping to uh, double their profits with the upcoming Ferrari crossover SUV monstrosity, and that will push them above 10,000 sales per year. Whether that includes Fiat Chrysler's own employees paying retail price with money stolen from union employees is not immediately clear. 
Since Volkswagen has been caught cheating with diesel software and has been involved in a decades-long price-fixing cartel in Germany, the European Union has probably fairly decided that VW is no longer eligible to receive funds for new technology research. Previously, VW has used this money to develop diesel engines, and we saw how that turned out. In total, they've received about $5 billion in research funding since 1990, about a third of which went to make vehicles cleaner. The other two-thirds... Who knows, but it's probably good it went to corporate fat cats rather than research institutions or universities who regularly struggle for public funding. Great job, Europe. Meanwhile, China is doing its best to step on the toes of United States manufacturers with Geely aiming to introduce its brand into uh, the North American market. They've filed a trademark application for the brand's name, spelled L-Y-N-K, ampersand C-O, which is pronounced Lincoln Co., Ford, understandably, is less than thrilled given that they own a Lincoln, which Lincoln Co. sounds an awful lot like. Honestly, it only makes sense. Uh, China has spent the last 20 years copying cars from Western companies. It was only a matter of time before they got lazy enough to copy the names, too. In case you thought executives from oil companies are all rolling around in Hummers and crushing hybrids for fun in their free time, Ben Van Buren, uh, CEO of Royal Dutch Shell, is here to set the record straight. The thing is, he believes in climate change and the Paris Accord and trying to keep the planet under its 2 degrees Celsius rise. He said, quote, The whole move to electrify the co- economy, electrify mobility in places like Northwest Europe, in the U.S., even China, is a good thing. End quote. He expects peak oil demand to be sometime around 2030 or even sooner if biofuels start to make up a greater share of the industry. This is kind of crazy because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about peak oil supply not being able to produce enough to feed our thirsty cars rather than peak oil demand. Ben is putting his money where his mouth is and is buying a hybrid as his next car, too. Uh, I mean, you won't see him rolling around in a Prius. It's still going to be a Mercedes S-Class, but an S-Class hybrid that makes an amazing 24 miles per gallon in the city. I'm sure he can afford to pay for the gas. Uh, Last year, Chinese startup Huayang Kailai unveiled a grand plan to eliminate the scourge of buses clogging public roads. Well, not so much eliminate as elevate, because their solution was a 16-foot bus that straddled two lanes of traffic um, while cars moved freely beneath it, casting aside the issue of the bus being unable to turn and of cars not being able to turn below it or even change lanes safely. The bus was at least a neat concept that uh, actually produced a working model in uh, Qingdao, a coastal Chinese town. Uh, The company promised 12% returns for investors who gave money gladly only to find out this year that they have been had by a project that was completely fraudulent probably from the beginning. Although obviously some design and engineering went into making the working prototype, uh, there was apparently nothing revolutionary about it and a bunch of people were tricked out of a lot of money. Kind of like uh, we are every time DC Comics comes out with a new movie. Uh, Mercedes is taking a page out of Toyota's book and investing in an electric flying taxi company called Velocopter. As you may recall, Toyota's investment is in an effort to provide flying taxis in time for the Olympic Games in Tokyo in 2020. While Mercedes doesn't have such ambitions for their investment, I'd be interested to know how they were sold on spending millions on such a ridiculous prospect uh, because I have this great idea for a bus that straddles traffic. 
Uh, so you know how at the end of the Formula One races, the top three finishers get up on the podium with some hot girls, get a trophy, and then are handed a bottle of champagne to spray on everyone in the crowd below them as well as themselves. Well, it would make sense for that to be Corbell or some easily wasted nastiness, um, but those bottles are actually carbon fiber and cost $3,000 each, which means $9,000 of champagne is egregiously wasted every race. And if you think, oh, that's because glass is dangerous and they might drop it, so carbon is lighter and safer for everyone. No, that's not it. It's just carbon fiber wrapped around glass, so it's not any lighter or better than normal bottles. Uh, with manufacturers dropping out of top-tier racing left and right, these series have to find ways to cut costs, and I feel like I just found the most obvious one. Speaking of ridiculous booze, a German guy has begun producing gin that is bottled along with a presumably cleaned bit of uh, metal found from a Harley-Davidson motorcycle he exhumed from somewhere in the world. Uh, the metal bit is inside the bottle, and the label includes the story of where the part was found and what it was what it was before it became a flavor enhancer for your gin. Uh, this, If this seems remotely appetizing to you, which it, it does not to me, uh, you're free to part with more than $1,000 for each bottle produced by uh, the company called The Archaeologist. Um, and if you haven't heard of an active valve performance exhaust before, it basically means the car's exhaust has an electronically operated valve in it that opens to allow exhaust gas to flow more freely through a shorter channel or closes it to direct the exhaust all the way back through the mufflers. Open is louder and faster, closed is quieter and slower, which makes it the perfect accessory for luxury performance cars owned by people who want to not be brought up by their neighbors at every single HOA meeting. Uh, the thing is, the 2018 Ford Mustang will have an active exhaust as a $900 option, which I think will be the least purchased option ever in the history of options. Uh, the system has four settings and even allows you to set the times for the exhaust to automatically be in quiet mode. Uh, I think Ford has sort of forgotten that Mustang owners like it. Loud and proud, baby. Straight pipes all the way. Woo! That's it for your quick hits. Here are some new cars. The new NSX is, by all accounts, an amazing vehicle, but uh, some have complained that it lost the sort of simple, elegant engineering that made the original such a classic uh, to so many of us enthusiasts. Uh, the great news is uh, that for those who bemoan the new car's hybrid electric system and fancy tech features, Honda is making a non-hybrid version decked out in all carbon fiber. Uh, the not great news is that Honda is going to charge $563,000 for it, an additional $100,000 for a mandatory spare parts package. Um, and that's because th this is their GT3 car, uh, which is capable of competing in, a, in, in 25 different race series around the world and has already won a few race series, uh, races actually, uh, over its less expensive competitors like the Mercedes-AMG GT3. Um, it even finished top five in the 24 hours of Daytona. So despite being a new car, you're actually getting some decent racing heritage with it for your 650 grand. Um, in case you haven't heard, uh, people are not buying sedans anymore, which is a real problem for companies known for making huge, lumbering, inefficient sedans uh, like Cadillac. 
Um, even though their new CTS and ATS are objectively decent cars and uh, downright fast in V form, uh, nobody's tempted, and Cadillac's one crossover, the XT5, isn't exactly setting the world on fire. Uh, to remedy this, Cadillac will be bidding farewell to both the ATS and the CTS sedans and saying hello to, uh, well, another sedan. But but this one is different. It's called the CT5, and it's sort of sized in between the two outgoing cars, and, and there will be another one about the same size as the Audi A3. Uh, Cadillac is trying their best to shred, shed their old stodgy white man reputation, but... They're just not getting the picture that buyers want crossovers, and a shit ton of them. Uh, maybe someone needs to go check on their hearing aids. Uh, in your weekly edition of What Car Company Has Released a Black Version of One of Its Existing Vehicles, I bring you the Bentley Flying Spur Black, which just goes to prove that no brand is immune from murdering out things from the factory to capitalize on decades-old trends. Uh, in obituaries this week... Um, you may have heard from my Geneva Motor Show wrap-up that Tata has been planning a sporty Miata rival uh, with 190 horsepower. Unfortunately, due to heavy cost-cutting at the parent company, the hilariously named Tamo Racemo will never see the light of Deo. Um, times are tough at Tata, where Jaguar Land Rover, which they own, was the only company to turn a profit recently. Uh, which fortunately means that they probably won't be cutting the F-Type anytime soon. Um, that's our, all for new cars and obituaries. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I, uh, Tesla Model 3 is our, our main top story, and I wanted to provide a deep dive into this because we, so, we knew so little about it before its unveiling this week. So here it is, your deep dive segment. <laughs> Obviously, the biggest news of the past week was the final public release of the Tesla Model 3, which was unveiled fully last Friday uh, as the first 30 cars were delivered to customers. Uh, Tesla put on a huge song and dance event where we learned a lot about the so-called people's electric vehicle. Um, first, we learned that the much-vaunted $35,000 price tag is definitely a price you can pay for a Model 3, uh, it's just not a price that many people will actually get to pay for one. Um, that price will buy you a stripped-down, no-option, rear-wheel drive car with a shorter-range battery that will come in one color, black. Um, given that the recent black trend is going towards murdered-out everything, the color choice probably isn't going to turn anyone off, but the lack of autopilot, lack of all-wheel drive, blistering performance, or a long-range battery might. Um, we learned that any sort of options on the Model 3 start to tick that price up very quickly uh, with a change in color tacking on uh, $1,000 in itself. Autopilot, that's another 5000 Nicer interior with sound system and phone talk docking, another 5000 Uh 310-mile extended range battery, you're looking at an extra $9,000 for a car with a shorter range than almost all internal combustion cars even compact cars with their tiny little gas tanks. For a fully loaded car, you're probably looking at close to 60 grand, which makes it all the more obvious why Tesla had to drop their $75,000 Model S 75. 
Uh, we also got a look at the interior, which, like the Model S, has a big 15-inch uh, central touchscreen to control everything. The thing is, that's all. Uh, that, that's it. No instrument cluster in front of the driver providing vital information like speed or range. That's all in the central screen, sort of like a Mini or, or an old Yaris. And Elon Musk says that drivers probably won't miss the dash cluster, and presumably all the vital information will be displayed somewhere on the central screen at all times. Uh, but And you'll probably get used to it eventually, but I honestly could not stand that aspect of the new minis uh, when I test drove them when they first came out. And it, it takes your vision away from where you need to be looking at the road safely. Uh, we also learned that you can use your smartphone as a key for the car, which is handy if you're trying to pare down on uh, pocket contents. Um, there's also going to be a performance variant coming out probably mid-2018 if Tesla can get through the production hell, as Elon keeps calling it, of the Model 3 uh, getting into the hands of their claimed more than 500,000 deposit holders. Um, those people, by the way, still have no idea when they're getting their cars, and it doesn't look like anyone will be getting anything without an extended range battery for a while, as Musk stated that uh, getting these uh, extended range battery production going, the larger battery model was priority number one. Uh, while Tesla continues to open up more and more repair facilities and get more mobile repair vans out on the road, Elon's pretty confident that Tesla got it right the first time with the Model 3. Um, which obviously wasn't the case with the Model S or X. Um, even He even went so far as to say that the next-generation powertrains that the Model 3 uses are designed to go a million miles in between services. Um, despite that, the car only comes with a four-year warranty, and an eight-year warranty applies to the battery. So while confidence is high, uh, his business sense is probably more realistic. Um, all that said, I, I do hope they last that long. I, it, it may be more expensive and less feature-rich than we hoped for, but I'm rooting for Tesla here. The Model 3 is apparently a blast to drive with a 5.1 second to 0 to 60 time with the extended range battery, and the low-slung battery means it has a very low center of gravity, which allows the car to handle very well with very little body roll. Uh, Road and Track had a glowing review of what the car was like to drive, and I'm sure owners who have been lining up for 16 months or more will be saying the same thing once they get theirs. Uh, the hype meter for this car has been off the charts, and it's good to see that Tesla and Musk have delivered a, really a wonderful-looking and driving car that will be accessible to many more people than Models S or X. Um, and not just a win for those who have reserved a Model 3, a successful Model 3 is a win for Tesla. Uh, they're chugging right along with the Gigafactory and are developing more cars uh, than ever before, or de delivering more cars than ever before. Uh, but the Model 3 is a volume vehicle. It's lower margin, it's higher investment, and it'll be proof that a new automaker can hack it in a market run by 100-year-old companies. Tesla posted a record loss in the second quarter of this year, uh, $336 million to be exact. So the Model 3 has the potential to really make or break them. Uh, if successful, the Model 3 will be the platform for the Model Y small crossover Tesla is preparing to unveil, which, obviously, given the state of the market right now, will probably become their best-selling vehicle in very short order. But more than a win for Tesla, the Model 3's success will be a win for 
electric vehicles for other manufacturers who are also developing EVs that are targeting a broader market. And ultimately, it's a win for the planet due to the nitrogen oxide emissions reductions. Uh, sure, you'll still have emissions from power plants uh, providing the electricity and from mining for lithium, but as the economies of scale grow uh, and renewable energy sources come online, these will become more efficient too, leading to a much lower life cycle vehicle emission. Uh, a Model 3 in every neighborhood, will they'll help sell EVs as an accessible technology that is not only novel, but usable on a daily basis. And the more people who see these cars and experience them for themselves, whether it's taking a ride from a dealership as, as a test drive or riding in their neighbor's car, uh, the more interest there is in EVs, not just from Tesla, but from Volvo, Ford, and Toyota, among many others, uh, it'll encourage infrastructure development, like we've seen with BP's announcement this week that they're going to start in installing EV charging stations in their petrol stations in the UK. So... Whether or not you believe in Tesla, I mean, after all, they're a company which, like I said, they exist solely to make money. Um, as the saying goes, the rising tide ri raises all ships, and the Model 3 could be the start of the electric vehicle's tide coming in. So I think it's off to a very good start, and I'm happy about that. Um, to close out this week's show, uh, for this week's call to action, it's uh, I want to talk about putting yourself first. I don't mean in the, the sort of way that you forgive yourself for constantly procrastinating, which I talked about last week, but in the way that, that you take a moment to reflect on yourself and, and your own value and your own happiness. Uh, apart from the folks at Chick-fil-A drive through it's nobody's job in this world to make sure that you have a good day, uh, so that that's on you. For many people, though, that's not such an easy proposition. Uh, when things aren't going your way, uh, sometimes it's easy for even little things to have a sort of stacks-on effect where everything just becomes overwhelming. For those people with depression, it's even worse, just a long, dark tunnel where you cannot see the light at the end. But if you're listening to the, this podcast, chances are you're doing okay, and things aren't as dire as they definitely could be. Uh, the old saying goes, you're your, you are your own worst critic. Well, sometimes you need to be your own best champion, too. Recognize that you have a duty to yourself to be happy, because I am convinced that that is absolutely the point of life. And it's not like you're going to get another chance to try to get it right. So go out there and reflect on your achievements and, and your potential and the great things you have yet to come. Uh, believe in yourself and go create some happiness because you guys deserve it. Uh, and with that, thank you for listening and uh, thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song that we use every week. Um, here, friends, is your moment of zen.